0: With a steadfast hope And my will be lost in Thine Oh, draw me nearer Oh, nearer, blessed Lord To the cross where Thou hast died Oh man.
1: And take your piece of paper. Y'all thought I was kidding. Do that. Sure. Y'all thought I was kidding. I forgot my pieces of paper. I found them. I left them here. Um I've really been struggling with this, and the reason I've been struggling with it is I think it's because Satan knows that sometimes in the simple things we can get so much victory. So, this morning I was reading the the Bible app uh, devotion, and I found it very coincidental that it was talking about the heart also. So, I'm going to read Psalms 139, 23, and 24, and then I want everybody to just... Read along with me, pay attention, think about it for a minute. We're going to talk about it for a minute, and then I'm going to challenge everybody. Psalms 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Just think about that for a minute. Really meditate on that while while I open this in prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I ask, Lord, that each and everyone here open up their heart to you and let you show them anything, even if they don't know it's there, anything that is standing in between you and them and our relationship with you. I ask you, Lord, that not only do you point it out to them, but they then give it back to you so that you can take it away and they can live a more victorious life. I thank you for for this word. I thank you for blessing us with this word. I thank you for blessing us with your presence. I thank you for blessing me for... Being able to come and share the the thoughts that you've laid on my heart and the message that you've given to me, and I hope that it that it pricks each and every one here and it and it tugs on their heart and and that they start to meditate and see really deep down what you have in store for them. I ask Jesus that you let me step aside and and you step forward. And it be not my will or my thoughts or my words here tonight. That it be all you. And, you, and your desire, and your will, and, and your thoughts, and your words, that I am nothing more than a speaker, and you just speak through me. Let me step aside, Lord, and just take a back seat and use me however you see fit tonight and bless the reading of your word and the, and the learning and as we just dive deep into this and start learning more and more about what you have in store for us and ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So the reason I passed out the little pieces of paper and I told y'all Sunday, you can be seated. And I told y'all Sunday the reason I was going to do it is so that you can write down that one thing that maybe you're struggling with that one thing that you know's not right and maybe you're ashamed of it. Maybe it's that one one thing that God just showed to you that you didn't even realize it was a sin and he brought it up to you. But in that devotion that I read this morning, and most of the time when I talk about the devotion in the Bible app, I'm pointing out problems in it. But today's rang so true that it couldn't be coincidence. It really can't be that tonight I'm preaching on this and Sunday I was preaching on it and then they just literally took. But what he was saying, what they were saying in that was God will show you things and point it out to you and then it's up to you to give it back to him. And the way that I envisioned that is if I said, hey, Joseph, can you bring me my phone? And Joseph took my phone down, and I pointed at it, and I said, there it is, right there. And he goes, okay, yeah, I see it. It's bright orange. And he took it down, and he put it in his pocket, and he walked off with it. He can't get rid of it unless he gives it back to me. You're like, well, the phone's not that bad. Okay, let's say it's a rattlesnake. What if I'm holding a rattlesnake and my dad goes, hey, bring it here and I'll take care of it. Maybe it's so big that I'm holding it with two hands and I'm fighting it and there's nothing I can do. And I'm standing there and he goes, just bring it here and I'll take care of it. If we walk off with that snake, not only are our hands bound because you ever put it down, it's going to bite you. You might have a chance of throwing it, but it's so angry. It's now probably going to come back at you so why do we just insist on holding on to these things so my challenge today and i want to assure everybody you write down whatever it is bring it up here and put it in this basket i will not read them unless you want me to read them they will not go any further than in that basket and then they will be burnt tonight they will never exist outside of you and the mind of god once you put it in that basket. And I'm going to tell everybody, if you tell me that there is nothing that you can write down on that piece of paper, you're a bold-faced liar. Because everybody here, everybody listening to me, anybody that's in this, any, any Christian walking God's green earth has something that they're struggling with and they can't seem to get victory over, and I guarantee it. I have an ink pen if anybody needs one put it right there at any time i do not care so i'm gonna go back to psalms 37 just back a couple pages that was where we started sunday i felt led to just start back there psalms 37 verse 4 bringeth wicked devices to pass cease from anger and forsake wrath fret not thyself in any wise to do evil i don't know about y'all but since sunday it's been a week tuesday came along and i was like it's only tuesday and then we get here, and why Satan was fighting just a bunch of us getting together to celebrate Valentine's Day and have a meal together, um, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, we weren't having a service, we were just meeting together on an odd time, and maybe that's what it was. But it seemed about as soon as we got here, Sam started getting sick, and then we noticed the thing with Presley, and then it's just one thing after another why why would he fight so hard after sunday why would he fight i mean he does it a lot it's nothing special about me please understand i'm not saying that but what change was there what broke it had to be something within the 30 of us i guess not it could have been people watching online somebody got something Sunday that he wanted to stop from happening this evening, too. Uh, Monday, every little thing. It was just little annoying things for me. Just little stuff here and there, and then Tuesday, and then today, I haven't felt good. I didn't sleep well. just kind of one thing on top of another. I normally take a nap on Wednesdays so that I'm refreshed you know to come preach or to just come to church i don't preach every wednesday so just to come to church and uh i had to work i had to work on this a little bit i wanted to add some things and i didn't you know i didn't want to not do that because god wanted me to add them so i'd much rather show up tired and let him give me energy than to i'm not tired by the way which is remarkable um and then I just walked over there, somehow got a splinter in the, or a, something in the bottom of my shoe. And then when I showered before church, I stepped out and almost fell. I'm like, it's just, what is, it? like, the whole time I'm thinking, what is God going to say through me tonight? But I guarantee it's going to be another time. If Satan wanted me, just me, I am nothing special. But if he wanted me to not be here today, then that means somebody's gonna get something. And it might be me. It might be me going back through my notes. So I have a couple questions. Can anyone deny the presence of the Holy Ghost moving through this place? I cannot, cannot deny it. Cannot deny it most of every single service. Yes, we have services that we struggle and it might take a minute to get going Or there might be some distractions from somewhere. There might be pushback from something. There might be something going on that's kind of giving trouble for somebody to kind of enter in. But he's still here. And if you ever are in a service that you cannot say that, you need to rethink while you're in that service. And and it's about every service. So if I were to poll the room, and these are very simple questions, and you're going to go, Matt, that's probably one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard anybody ask from a pulpit, but I'm going somewhere with it. Did Jesus live a perfect life, a perfect sinless life? Everybody here should say yes. Second question, is Satan real or imaginary? Real, very much real. Or I wouldn't have had this battle that I've had this week. A poll was recently done by the American Culture and Faith Institute, and it surveyed churches across the nation and asked those questions. Simple questions. Seventy percent of the churches surveyed did not line up with the Bible, leaving approximately 100,000 of the ones that were asked. So 100,000 churches, you're like, okay, I mean, that's, that's not bad. You know, a couple thousand per state. Out of that, out of that 30%, they were asked, do you preach what the Bible says? They said that they believe what the Bible says, and they know that everything in here is true, but do you preach what it says? 2% said yes. That's around 2,000 churches of the ones that got surveyed. 2,000 churches nationwide. The rest said that they don't want to offend anyone or make their congregation feel uncomfortable. So, do you believe the Bible word for word? Sometimes we need to feel uncomfortable. Sometimes, I mean, it's literally written that the word will cut like a two-edged sword. That's not a comfortable thing to be cut with a sword. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's put it in layman's terms. It's not comfortable to have things cut away from you but just like an arborist that has to take care of a tree, and it might look like a perfectly good limb, but he's gotta chop this one off here and chop this one off here, and we found out a couple meetings ago that if you cut it at the wrong angle, it won't heal itself. I don't remember who was telling Brother Sam and I that, but if you cut it at the wrong angle, Andrew Bohannon, if you cut it at the wrong angle, it won't heal, but if you cut it at just the right angle, the tree will grow a little growth back over it, and now there's no energy going back into that limb. There's no life being dripped out of it. The the life of a tree is its sap, and if you cut it the wrong way and it's just constantly dripping, the whole tree will die. We have to have things cut away from us, and it's not going to be comfortable, and it's not going to always line up with the way that you want it to be but as long as it lines up with the Bible you don't have a problem with me, you have a problem with him and he can answer all your questions is your Bible your instruction manual for life is your Bible your sword and shield do you believe that the ministers both visiting and resident that preach from this pulpit are led by God, filled with the Holy Ghost and do you believe that we listen to what God has to say? I cannot deny that when I I mean when I'm up here, but I definitely cannot deny it when other people are up here like when brother Andrew came, I, he was just calling without saying names a lot of times he's calling stuff out and I know a lot of times I'm just like everybody else could have left and it was just me and him for a minute and he's talking about things that I had prayed about and I hadn't even talked to him except to set up his ear monitor so it's not like I sat down and I was like hey I've been praying for all these things you can use it in a sermon if you want to I can only vouch for me but this has to be Jesus me standing here in front of you teaching and preaching has to be him especially when I go off of my notes and he leads me somewhere that had nothing to do with anything that I thought I wanted to talk on so to me it's almost scary when I have seven pages or eight pages of notes I'm like we might not ever get through this now do you believe that he goes home with you? Do you believe that he lives with you? Do you believe that he listens to you?
0: Or is it a different
1: Holy Spirit at church than what lives in your house, what lives in your heart? I'm not gonna lie to you, this next paragraph, when I was writing my notes, I was like this, I don't know who, but this is a very pointed So everybody brace yourself, put your steel-toed shoes on. It's coming for somebody. Once again, I told you I I, I struggled with a lot of this, and the last half of this, which is where we're at now, um, I didn't even know what I wrote until I went back and read my notes. So the Tuesday that I started these, and I had seven pages done before I knew it, and then Wednesday I was like, I know a couple of the scriptures that I put down, but I do not remember what I talked about in between, but I have seven pages, so I obviously said something, or I just wrote down a bunch of scriptures, I don't know. So, I need everybody to to pay attention. The same Holy Spirit that is here that gives us as ministers the words to say, the thoughts to think, and how to bring it to you. The same one that has shown up in this congregation in two buildings that I've been in and touched and healed and prophesied and proclaimed his greatness is the same one that's sitting with you when you're watching those videos on TikTok. The same one that's with you looking at those bad pictures on Pinterest. The same one that's with you watching that show with sex and language and violence and devil worship. (sighs) He's there with you as you support organizations that want nothing else but to shut us as Christians up or make us martyrs. I don't know if anybody even cares, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. The Grammys were a couple weeks ago. There was a uh, biological male that performed, um, and he had posted a picture on Twitter of him in a hat that had devil horns, and he was all in red, and TBS, something like that. I think it was TBS, posted, and their comment said, We're ready to worship. They're not even hiding it in mainstream media, and I'm not talking about just a lot of the news channels. I'm not talking about lying to us. I'm saying it is just blatantly in our face. At the courthouse in New York City, they just put up a new statue. So they have a bunch of statues up there, and it's great law men, as in literally a statue with Moses talking about because he brought the law. And other people that have made great big think big changes um, they now have a golden statue of a demon that supports abortion on top of the courthouse in New York City not even hiding it anymore yet we sit back and go oh well somebody needs to do something somebody needs to say something somebody man, I just I cannot stand well you know I heard a thing once that somebody went and talked to God and they said, God, why did you allow all those children to get hurt? Why did you allow World War III if it had happened? Why did you allow this? Why did you allow all those people to die? Why did you allow people to die and not hear your word? Why did you not send somebody? And God said, I sent you, but you didn't go. We all have a burden that sometimes comes to us and we say somebody comes and, and we talk to them for a minute and then something happens, they walk away and you go, I should have said something. I did it today, not going to lie. I messed up. I missed the door, was kicked wide open. My friend, one of my co-workers came to me, the one that had prostate cancer, the one that his son committed suicide right before Christmas the one that is having to pay tens of thousands of dollars every month just to get his infusions, the one that just a week ago today, his best friend committed suicide a year after the best friend's wife died at the age of 58 because her dementia got so bad. And he, he said he's tired of crying. He said, I'm just tired of crying. And he said, but he taught me some good that had come out of, you know, his other kids are coming back and they're talking to him more and the his friend's kids are now kind of the doors open a little bit to be able to talk to him and he was talking about how, he said, I, I don't know why Satan just keeps picking on me and I said, well, he's defeated. I said, you're standing on his neck, you're defeat or he's defeated, he cannot beat you. He said, I just... He just keeps going and going and going. And he won't when Jesus comes back. And I sat there in silence. And I let that opportunity pass by until we went home for the day. I mean, it was only a few minutes. He told me another story about somebody else we work with that's uh, my friend that with all the Satan keeps beating him up. He, uh, he was talking to somebody else, and he said, hey, what is your stance on Christianity, I guess? How do you, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? Do you not? Like, how do you, and the guy said, I only talk to God in a tree stand when he goes hunting, and uh, Dave, my friend, said, well, that's a start, you know? And then he, uh, he posted something on Facebook, and the other guy's a Facebook friend with him, and. He commented back and he said uh, you could see there was a little bit more light but he said something like you know just keep your faith keep it strong and he said something I don't remember what it was but there's a little bit more light and I told Dave well I said my my pastor says all the time sometimes it's chisel work and sometimes it's sledgehammer work and he laughed and he said that's he said that's good I said so any progress is good progress as long as it's going in the right way so even though that our our other co-worker is not but he also said that he's going to a therapist sometime in the next month and he said but my first question is going to be um, are you a Christian and he said I'm going to just tell her you know I know that this is Satan working on me and I'm a Christian and I believe that God's going to fix it but I want to know where you stand and whether I need to sit here for the next hour or not I said well I mean it's only 30 bucks our company's paying for it so it's 30 bucks instead of a hundred something so so we all have these things and we're putting some of them in here and I'm calling some of them out and I'm I'm, I am NOT trying to brag please understand that but I've told y'all how God has used me God used brother Sam sometimes and I'm I'm not going to speak for him, but I'm going to speak for me, sometimes it's almost like you can hear people's thoughts when they're struggling with something. That's why I told him, that's why I will not, every time somebody comes up to pray, I step aside because I want God to tell me what's going on in them. One, I have to rely on God to, or I can just stand there while y'all pray. I do nothing else so i have to rely on god and through the prayer lines and stuff when we go other places i mean it might be just something like uh, a seed of doubt it might be some sort of sometimes it's you know other things and it's stronger uh more powerful demons they have no power for us but it's not it's not it's not a big one i guess you could say sometimes it's doubt sometimes it's pornography sometimes it's homosexuality, whatever it is. and But if I can rely on God to tell me what is bothering you, what is plaguing you, what has its hooks in you, then when I call it out, so we'll just say that Brother Sam comes up here for prayer this evening and he says, hey, Matt, you know, this is what's going on and I just really need you to pray because my ankle hurts. Okay, well, maybe his ankle really does hurt but there's something else that's causing it to hurt. There's something else that's going on behind the scenes, just like that little thorn that was in my foot earlier. My foot hurt, but what was causing my foot to hurt was somehow Satan put a little stick in my foot and it hurt. But once I got it out, it's gone, right? So the same thing happens... In prayer, we go, Lord, I really need you to take this pain away in my ankle. Well, what happened? What happened that caused the pain in your ankle? Maybe you're holding on to something. Maybe it's whatever you just wrote down. Maybe you wrote it down and you don't want to put it in here because you're holding on to it so tightly because you've grown so accustomed to that chain and you cannot let it go. But once you do let it go, your ankle starts hurting. and You go, well, that doesn't make no sense. I struggled with saying bad words to my wife. Maybe I was verbally abusive for so long, and, and I don't know how to, I, I didn't know really how to say that I'm sorry, but I was just so verbally abusive that she might have wanted me to be physically abusive because then she would at least have signs to tell somebody what's wrong. But you both got so used to it that you can't let it go maybe that's the thing that's plaguing you maybe that's the thing that's holding you back from getting complete and utter healing maybe you have these things that are just there's something there and I'm not going to say maybe because I know that it's there there's something that is keeping you from having a perfect body physically I'm not talking about your rapture theophany I'm talking about your physical body that we are currently in that is made of flesh should not be in pain it should not have any hurt there should not be any sickness and there's something that is holding that there and we need to do like Psalms 139 says and ask God to point it out and when he does it might be offensive It might offend you that you go, that's not what it is. Well, I've never had that problem. God's not a liar. So either you're telling him that he is or you're lying to yourself that that's not the problem. But once you do, honestly give it up to him. And like I said, this is just a physical manifestation of what I'm asking you to do in your heart. Give it to him and walk away from it. Now don't start looking around the room trying to figure out who the Holy Spirit is pointing a finger at. Roll up that fist and point it right back at yourself. We are all guilty of doing things we know are wrong and against what God wants for us because we want to. There's no other way to say it. There's no simpler way to say it that when we sin, Brother Sam said it a couple weeks ago, that we step out of that, we, we are encased and sealed and perfectly safe, and we go, you know, I'd really like that sin. And we let it happen, and then we go, man, I feel bad for that. Can anybody in here tell me that they sinned and did not feel bad after doing it? Once again, if you do, You're either, Christ is either not in you or you're a liar. We step out of that sealed union and invite our favorite sin to come back to us. We dig through that pile of trash to save that thing. We acted like we threw away. And we're all guilty of it we all have that thing that we're like oh well i got rid of that and then when nobody's looking go hide and maybe you smoke a cigarette or you say those bad words when you get in the group of you know your other blue collar workers you start saying those things and you fall back into that where people are maybe making fun of or talking bad about this person and you just fall right back into it and then afterwards you're like what just happened that was way too easy for me to do that but you got to give it up you're already forgiven for it but you got to give it up because that is that showing of faith that Lord I know you're going to take it We all have these trials that we fight, and it just seems like we just keep fighting them and we keep losing and we keep fighting them and we keep losing. Well, let me tell you something. It's going to keep happening until you finally, it sounds too simple, Matt, just give it to God. You're on your phone, you're doing something, and you, that little thought goes, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. And you go, I'm sorry. At that point, when you feel the conviction, you stop. That's progress from last time, right? Because maybe this time, you know, last time you were on your phone for an hour looking at whatever that you shouldn't be looking at. I'm not even saying using your phone to take time away from God. I'm just saying, I'm very pinpointing using it to look at things, to listen to things, to talk to people. I don't know that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Hiding things from your wife, your family, your friends, your, your, your pastor, your, your whatever. Hiding things and having to then lie to them. Oh no, I gave that up. Praise the Lord, I gave it up. Until you get home and it's 2 a.m. and you can't sleep, the first thing you think of I said, well, if I just, if I go to that one thing, that used to calm me down. If I just have one beer, it'll calm me down. Maybe, it's been a really stressful week. I'm going to just, I'm going to smoke one cigar, and it'll calm me down. They proved in a study that it was not anything in a cigarette that calmed you down. It's when you're stressed and you're smoking, you take very long inhales. And that's what calms you down. The Navy SEALs do something called box breathing. You inhale for four seconds, hold it for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold it for four seconds. If you are ever so anxious that you've, and I've been there, please do not think that I'm just preaching to you. I'm not just talking at you. My anxiety and PTSD was crippling. I could not at that time walk from here to that building without my heart running away from me. I could not take the trash out to the curb in my subdivision in Derby because I thought bad things were going to happen. I thought people were going to get me. I thought I was going to be shot at. All kinds of things. When you get to that point, just stop, take some breaths, and give it to God. Even if the only thing that you can say is Jesus, you will get through whatever it is that is gripping you. But you have to honestly believe it. You cannot use his name like it is some magic potion from Harry Potter. Those things are what our fleshly heart desire. We take that thing that we're fighting with, When we take that thing that we're fighting with and give it fully to God and we lay it down at his altar, we lay it down at his feet, we nail it to his cross, that is the only time we can truly be free from it and then we start to have what our heart of flesh desires, what God puts in there for us to desire. Colossians 2 and 15. 2 and 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over, triumphing, yeah, I said that right, over them in it. I don't think that leaves anything out. I heard I heard somebody say that, uh, it was a preacher, and he said that he had started using, and he would co- quote Colossians 2.15 in prayer lines because there's a couple things. We've all talked about it. You know, Satan hates Genesis, and Satan hates Revelation. Satan really hates everything in between too, but... He can twist that a little better. So when you learn things like Luke ten nineteen, Colossians two fifteen, but he said that he this preacher said he actually quotes Colossians two fifteen because one time he said it and he saw the demon squirm and he was like, Ooh. So last week, I have a testimony. <laughs> last week I was sitting back there and the recording and the live feed were at zero they should be close to 1300 megabytes kilobytes per second whatever it is they were at zero we had no recording we had no live feed there was nothing happening so we just I was like I don't know what to do so I prayed nothing really happened and then I was like what is that because I couldn't remember what it actually was. I was going to look for it and I was going to bring it up and I was going to read it. And as real as I'm standing here talking to you and you hear my voice, Satan was back there going, that's not in there. That doesn't exist. You're making that up. An audible voice in my ears. I kid you not. So I was like, I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. And then, Right before that, I was like, you know what? A fight is not all about one big haymaker blow. Sometimes you got to get a couple of body shots in. So I flipped my Bible over to Luke ten nineteen, and I literally went, read it. And I was telling Brother Sam when I told him this, I was like, Charity's probably going to think I'm crazy because I'm back there having a conversation with myself, and she's just trying to bring the songs up. And then as soon as i went like this aaron's like i'd like to ask brother matt to come up and pray and i'm like i'm in the middle of something (laughs) like we are having a fight back here and i was like you know what don't care you're just giving me a microphone and two speakers now so i used that and then i got back there and i'm where is it where is it it's not there you can't find it that doesn't exist I'm telling you, it was a verbal, I was about to start yelling at him, and then I was like, I got the internet, feed is still, so the feed bumped up a little bit after a couple songs, and I prayed in Luke 10, 19, and then I went back there, and I looked it up, and I just looked up spoiled principalities and powers on Google, on the, on the Apple computer, it popped up, I flipped my Bible over, and I said, I told you so. And the feed jumped back up to green, and it was at 1,300-something. And then I said, you don't realize the mistake that you just made. Any good general, any good even football coach, I mean, I remember when I played football in high school, and we weren't even that good, most Thursdays we spent all day watching film of the team we were about to play. And you're looking for anything. Oh, maybe, maybe this guard, when he always puts his left hand down when they're doing a jet sweep to the left side and puts his right hand down when they're doing something to the right side. Oh, there's something we can pick up on. Little things. We got to the point that we'd trick people as wide receivers. We'd put our gloves on every time the ball was coming to us. So the defense would then figure out, oh, okay, Matt's over on this side. He's got his gloves on. Ball's coming that way. And then in the second half, we'd swap, and the ball would become to me, and I'd be catching it barehanded, or I'd be, and they'd be like, well, it's just little things that people pick up on. So when Satan showed me a weakness, if he's willing to flee just because it's nothing in me, I just read something that was written. I got dates in the front around AD 60, only almost 2000 years ago, but it's still just as powerful in 2023 as it was in AD 60. So take that, it's not a, it's not a, a trick for your bag, it's a, it's a weapon in your arsenal. Don't use it once again as, oh, well, you know, I'm really getting beat up today. What was that scripture Matt said? No, stand and fight. We don't throw it as we run away. Stand and fight. Colossians 2.14. We're going to go backwards. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's everything against you. That's anything the devil says against you. That's anything that other people have said against you. That's anything that you've said against yourself. He took it. And a lot of people go, oh, well, that's great. It was nailed to his cross. Okay, let's get historical for a minute. In this time, when there was a debt, if I had a debt to Brother Sam, he paid me out of a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe all my, all my crops died, and he had to pay a bunch of stuff, help me out, gave me a bunch of money so that I could get through. So there was a couple ways. I could pay him back monetarily, or I could work my debt off. When that debt was paid, they rolled up the contract. They stuck it to the door, and they put a nail through it. That's why the 95th thesis or whatever was nailed to the door. you got to think historically. It was not just paid, but the debt was forgiven. So when you go, okay, all those things in Colossians 2.14 that it talks about, the handwriting of the ordinances and the laws, that's what that is, and anything contrary to us, was taken away and nailed to his cross because it is paid and it is forgiven. What's left out? So why do we still struggle with stuff? I do too. Please understand, I'm not saying that I'm perfect and I stand here and, you know, it's all bed, bed of roses. Well, roses have thorns. It's all bed, beds of pansies and, and rainbows and unicorns. But we have to believe, and everybody said that they believe what this book says. So you have to believe that everything contrary to you, anything contrary to what this book says, anything that you once believed, anything that you were once taught that is contrary to this, anything that you made up in your mind that was contrary to this you go oh well i'm sorry god but i got i got to get over these complexes before i can really serve you and we talked about that you do not get clean before you take a shower the point of getting clean or taking a shower is to get clean the point of coming to church is to have a relationship with god you do not just come here to give your one hour two hours a week whatever four hours a week depending or if we're having meetings it might be you know 40 hours a week so if you co- you come here to have a relationship not to get brownie points too many people try to think that there's a brownie point system to where when i do good i get a brownie point. Eric and I were talking about this the other day and it hit me like a ton of bricks. There's one point in the kingdom of God and that's is your faith in the finished work of Jesus and it's a check mark or nothing. That's it. I saw two people talking on the a, on a internet the other day and one of them said, well, you know, As as long as we love Jesus, we make it into heaven. And you go, well, that makes sense, Matt. I mean, we should love Jesus. And the other guy goes, no, we get into heaven because of our faith. If it was off how much you love him, it's still off how, how many works you can do. And it took me a minute to think about that. If it was literally just how much you love Jesus, It goes back to works and how much you can do for him. But it is your faith in him. You have to see through faith, not through sight. Your faith has to say, like Brother Sam said, I don't know what it is, but I believe it. And I struggled literally for the rest of the day. I thought about that statement. Well, we do got to love him. You got to love him. You got to love him. And I was like, but I see what he's saying. And I, I, I chewed on it for hours and hours. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh. Because as human beings, we put love in a different pedestal as when God talked about love. His love is different. We had a quote up here talking about it. And that love is a different kind of love we use the word very loosely man i sure love pizza so if we say that i make it into heaven because i love jesus then you can literally say i love my enemy but we're not best friends the bible tells us to love our enemy so is that the same kind of love that you're using when you say i love jesus so i'll get into heaven Not that you believe in what he did, not that you believe in what he said, not that you believe in how that affects your life. You have no faith in the matter. You just say, oh, well, I got to be nice to that guy, and that's going to get me into heaven. And the more that unfolds when I think about it, the more, once again, it's, it's as simple as can be, but we cannot understand it. Another thing happened at the Grammys that I I ain't even going to say his name. That guy had his I saw parts of the video of his ritual and it was very satanic. It was very dark and demented looking. Maverick City Music also won a Grammy which is a big deal especially for a, a Christian artist or group to win a grammy because i mean that's they normally get double awards and stuff grammys are a little harder because of who votes on the grammys maverick city music they got up there and they were talking and they're like you know got to thank jesus and they kind of preached for a second and it sounded like there were about 10 hand claps in the whole building but while that other demonic ritual was going on it was working the people into a frenzy. It, people are screaming and hollering and clapping and Woo! And I'm just like, a couple people just got on the stage and very calmly told you how to have eternal life, how to live forever with the Creator, how to defeat... The very thing that you just watched that worked you into a frenzy and five, 20 people clapped. And we go, that's really sad, Matt. That's really, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to combat that. We average 27, 30 people in here if each one of us talked to two people in one day and then those two, those two people talked to two more people, do you realize how fast the word would actually go if we were just bold enough to give our heart to Jesus and let him then speak through us outside of the people that are in this room, because we all, even if you don't fully agree with something that I said, or you go, well, I would have said that this way, but we're all kind of on the same idea of believing what's in here. But if you talk, if we went and talked to people that didn't and we sparked that fire inside of them. Brother Branham said, you you pour gasoline on a man, kerosene, and set him on fire, he can't sit still. If you light that fire in somebody else, you know what's going to happen? 2 Corinthians 3. I know that sometimes it feels, at least to me, it feels like I will be saying something and I'm on a thought, and then I just stop and change subjects. But a lot of times it's because the thought that I was on, I just, I'm very, I want to be very open with everybody. The thought that I was on stops, and then I need to go to my next thought. And it's not me because I could ramble about all day. Three and three. For for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart now I'm sure we've all heard the the phrase sometimes you're the only Bible that somebody will read And you go, well, that was just some old granny lady telling me something. No, that's that's what that says. You are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Do you realize how quick that you can open a door when somebody says something and you go, oh no, he's living. Didn't he die like 2,000 years ago? Yeah. But he's alive today. If for no other reason, it would spark their curiosity. Penn and Teller, I don't remember Penn's first name, but his last name is Penn. He's an atheist, and he's been an atheist for a very long time, and he had a video the other day that he was talking, whether it be a podcast or a vlog, I'm not sure, but he was saying that if anybody that believes in a God that's as powerful as we say, he said, as they say that he is, if you are not proselytizing and telling people about what you believe, then you are not who you say that you are. He said, but it's also the same for atheists. He said, if you're not willing to hear somebody out and you just tell them, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear that. He said, then you're not really an atheist. You're afraid that they will change your mind. So how many times have we ran into, and I know you did just the other day, we've ran into Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or something, and we just avoid them because we don't want to talk to them. Are you afraid to talk to them because you're afraid that you'll believe them? Are you afraid to talk to them because you don't know what God's going to do? Or are you afraid to talk to them because you don't believe what's in here? I've told you all the story about when we lived in Derby, three Sundays in a row, the same Two guys came. One of them looked bored as he can be. The second one, Elder Knight, when he came, second Sunday he came, he had questions. Third Sunday he had more questions. A couple weeks later, he was gone. They didn't send him back. They sent somebody else back, the Mormon church. They sent somebody else back, and they said, hey, is, is Matt here? And I was like, I'll let Erica go to the door. I was like, I'm tired of talking to him. And normally they don't talk to women. So Erica goes to the door and they're like, is Matt here? And I was like, well, they know my name. So I go to the door and they're like, are you a former Latter-day Saint? I was like, no. They said, you knew so much. I said, because I read books. And Elder Knight asked me, he said, if I give you the Book of Mormon, will you read it? I said, I will read your book if you'll read my book. And I gave him a New Testament. Study Bible, not the little ones. It was a little bit bigger one. And then he came back, and he came back, and then they moved him. I like to think they moved him because he started asking them questions. You cannot buck the system when you are in something like that because they cannot answer the question either. When you have evidence that is written, and they have the same thing, but they got the extra books too. But when you have evidence, and they, oh, just just get past that. Well, why can you say that this one's divinely inspired, but this one's not? Why can you say that, that we need to do this, but not this? Either the whole book's inspired or none of it is. There's a group of people, I showed some of y'all that, that rainbow thing of the cross-reference. There are some people that took that and tried to use it as a contradictory they're called contradictionists, and they, they point out contradictions in the Bible. One of the things they pointed out was uh, talking about Moses and where he got the tablets. And they're like, oh, and they, the problem was they quoted the verses that they used. They, all these verses, and you read them, and it's like on Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. And then over here it says, but the, all these scriptures say that he got them on Mount Horeb. Well, all my Bible scholars in here would go, Matt, the Bible doesn't have a Mount Horeb. It has a Horeb, but it is not Mount Horeb. And if you read the scriptures that the contradictionists tried to point out that that the Bible contradicted itself, it literally says, at Horeb, at Horeb, at Horeb. That would be like saying that you went to Mount Rainier and you had a good time skiing. And then later on you're talking to somebody and you're like oh i went to washington and i skied are you contradicting yourself no because mount rainier is in washington horeb was a big general area that inside of that was mount sinai but if we do not know that the bible does not say mount horeb you can get just as twisted as Eve did and just start getting argumentative. But even if you do not know what the words say, but you know what the author says, then all you have to do is say, God, I don't know how I'm going to talk to this person. I'm dumb when it comes to anything work through me. Just like when whoever is up here preaching, Even when Aaron's up here leading songs, it's not Aaron leading songs. When Aaron or Joseph pick out songs for the songbook before the service, it's not them going, well, you know, I really like this one. They pray about it. And God says, you know what, for this service, I want these couple of songs because it's going to go really well with the spirit of service. And sometimes you go, why aren't we singing these? Why are we doing this? And then you get to a point like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But we don't see it. God has this bigger picture and we go, well, God, I want this. Why won't you give it to me? Why won't you give it to me now? You made a promise to me that you would do this for me and I don't have it yet. When we talked about that Sunday with Abraham, he tried to rush, King Saul tried to rush every time throughout history, whether it's in here, whether it is in Jewish history, whether it was in Egyptian history, you can figure out whatever you want. Every time somebody tries to rush the hand of God, it works out very horribly in their favor you cannot rush god and you cannot force his will but trust me in this you want nothing more than his will to be your will you want to give up that heart of stone that you've been holding on to we say maybe a heart of ice Maybe, oh, well, they're just so, they're hardcore and they're such a big, strong-willed person. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to fight everybody at every turn and push them away. It's not a good thing to say, oh, well, you upset me, so you and I are now contradictory to each other. Brother Branham said it and we had the quote on there. You don't want to be like Oswald if you if you can't, you know, get in an argument with somebody and just utterly disagree and then shake their hand and walk away. But that is so much harder because society tells us that we have to always be right. This group is always right no matter what you think you're wrong, you're white, you're wrong. Okay, sorry. But the reason that Satan does that and the reason that he is forcing some of these agendas is because it's making people like the over 100 plus thousand churches that I talked about earlier say, well, I believe the Bible, but I'm not going to preach it because I might offend that person. When I tell them that the price of sin is death, they might, oh, well, you're you're telling me that because I drink beer, I'm going to hell. I'm telling you that iniquity is knowing what's right and refusing to do it. We were talking about it last night. The guy had a vision, a dream, something. He was telling about it. That He was sitting in this big field, and he was sitting on a fence. It was like an old wooden fence. He was sitting on this fence, and to his left was heaven, God and his angels, and it was glorious. And to his right was hell, devil and his demons, and it was... Destructed, and then all of a sudden they just both turned and walked away every single one of them and he was left there by himself sitting on this fence and then satan comes back the devil comes back and he goes hey i forgot something come on and the guy on the fence goes i didn't choose him and i sure didn't choose you and satan goes you know what yep but i own the fence And you go, Matt, that's just some, that sounds weird. That's not, you know, no, that's not the way it is. But how is that, if we put that physical sense that I just told you, Satan owns the fence, how is that different than I would rather you hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out. How is that different than sitting on a fence? If this side of the room if we were split and this side of the room is very heated and it's nice and hot and this side is physically ice cold like a meat locker and Aaron dug a hole through the wall and just stood in the middle will that not by definition make him lukewarm? So if you are lukewarm God wants nothing to do with you because you're work, I'm sorry, workers of iniquity, you are not choosing, you know what's right and you refuse to do it. That's what iniquity means. God wants you on fire for him. But the other problem about being lukewarm is you are saying, I know who you are and I know who the devil is. I'm just seeing who can give me a better retirement plan. Because Satan will tell you that it's nothing but a big party. Oh, look at all these other people. They, they worship me and look how much fun they're having. That they commit suicide and hang themselves with leather belts. Whatever. It is not an easy path to walk for God. It's not an easy path when he says, do this thing give up this thing go talk to this person it's not easy but if you just say okay "Okay." you go that's too easy Matt you just said it's not easy it's scary we'll put it that way it's so simple that it doesn't make sense it's so simple that even our logical minds say It can't be that easy because God is so complex God works and shows himself in the simplicity and once we understand that and we go so literally all it takes God is for you to say get rid of that thing and bring it to me and I say, oh, okay, and I take it to you, I won't suffer with it anymore? Well, unless you go and pick it back up. Let's say somebody suffered with smoking in here, and God said, hey, I will take that away if you right now in front of everybody here and that camera take that pack of smokes out of your pocket and put it right there. And you go, that's all it takes? Okay. And you walk up here and you put it right there and you go sit back down and you listen to the rest of the sermon. We pray, we close, we're done singing. You walk right back up here and you pick it up and say, I'll throw it away. Was that the sec- did God say pick it up afterwards or did he say leave it there? He said, bring it to him. I'm not God. This is his altar though. He said, bring it to him. It's that show of you saying, you know what? I want to get rid of this so bad. I don't care if Sam or Matt or Aaron or Elias know what I'm struggling with. But Satan tells us that, well, you can't let them know. They'll look at you differently. Joseph, you can't tell Matt or your dad what's going on. They'll look at you differently. Instead of, if you told us, then... It's not just you standing alone to pray, it's three of us. And now that fire's gotten a little brighter, right? And then you go, you know what? I'm gonna just get all the guys of the church together and we're gonna sit down and talk about this, just all of us. But then you know what's gonna happen? Then your dad's gonna be like, well, you know, I've, I've been having this problem this week and I'm gonna say I'm having this problem. And then Aaron and Elias and brother Hector and Levi, Everybody's going to start opening up. And then you know what happens? Satan gets real scared. Because now the light's been shown into that darkness that he was trying to keep you in. When the light is shown, he has nowhere to hide. Ezekiel 36 26, we read that Sunday said our heart of stone will be changed to a heart of flesh second corinthians 3 and 3 that we just read said that we are the epistle of christ ministered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart you cannot be the bible that Somebody is going to read, you cannot be an epistle of Christ if you are walking around with that stony heart. Second Corinthians says, not written in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Ezekiel said, Stones of heart hearts of stone. You have to get rid of that. And the only way to fully get rid of it is to give it to God. and Say, Jesus, I know what I struggle with, but what's the cause of it? Show me why I cannot get over this problem. Show me why I suffer so much. And it's not going to be what you think it is. There's an underlying cause there. There is that, that thorn in your foot that's what's causing you to have back pain. It's that thorn in your foot that's causing you to, in the midnight hours, turn to comfort from alcohol, beer, pornography, whatever. It's something that happened when you were younger. Who knows? I don't know. God hadn't shown it to me. But there's coming a day, even in this assembly, that if people do not start giving it to God, God will start calling it out in this place. I've told you all about the message, one of the first messages I ever watched to Brother Ron Spencer, and it's a larger church than this, evening light was, he just starts walking up and down the aisles. And they're like, what are you doing, Brother Ron? He said, I'm doing a mobile prayer line. But Brother Ron's prayer line is different than a lot of prayer lines. Our prayer lines, you come up here, you tell us what's going on. Brother Ron was going and telling them what was going on and a lot of them he was standing there at one point and he's in the middle of a sentence and he just goes that thing you were praying for I joke about it a couple times on you know what if what if I could take your past week everything you've done even when you were asleep everything you thought about everything you said everything you looked at on your phone everything that happened everybody you talked to and I put it up here and every service we watched somebody else's life from the past week nobody in here would want that because we all have problems maybe every now and then you go man I had a really good week pick me today pick me pick me I am just a man you all said that the same Holy Spirit that is here, that has healed people here, that has healed people at that bit, the other building, that has healed people in the other uh, prayer lines that we've gone to, you say that that is the same one that goes home with you. You do not want to show me or tell me everything and every detail of what you've done, but you want to do it in front of him. And at some point, and you've all said that every minister that stood up here Is the same one, same Holy Spirit that goes home with you is working through me right now and you don't want me to see your phone but at some point if we do not give it up he's going to call it out from right here. I don't want that. I would much rather me and him have that conversation than me and you have that conversation because it'll get real awkward. Brother Branham said many times I am not responsible for what I'm about to say. The same one that moved him to heal those people is the same one that walks freely up and down Amen. this room, all throughout this room. I've told y'all that I, I, sometimes I see colors, sometimes I see lights, whatever you want to say, auras, whatever it is, you fit the word in there. Well, I was talking the other day, and I told Erica, and I think I told Brother Sam that, you know, I'll be back in the back, and I'll close my eyes looking up through this this side of the pew, because that's where I'm standing, this side of the church, and like right now, there's four people that would be in front of me. Normally Presley's up here, so that would be five. Uh, Sadie, if she's sitting up, there's six. So I'd be standing back there, and I'd go, okay, six people. I close my eyes. Why do I see seven? And they're always sitting somewhere in between E.K. and Sister Bethany. About two pews behind E.K. and three in front of Sister Bethany. Somewhere in the middle. If God's willing to show up and sit in that pew and listen to what's going on here, do you not think it's something that we need to pay attention to? And it's more often than not, I promise you. We talked about headstones. Look at the headstones from barely about 100 years ago. You can't read anything on it. You can barely see a full name sometimes. They're broken and decaying because they are dead. Stone is dead. There is not life in it, but flesh. Flesh is alive. So what is that life inside of our hearts? What is your life? What brings you joy in the morning? What keeps you going in the storms and trials of life? What is that? What is it that you turn to? And we should all have the same answer. These are very open-ended questions with the same answer. What is it, who is it that you turn to when you see no way out but up? You feel that you have, you have dug so deep into this hole that you look up and see the bottom. And you go, there is no physical way out of what I've done. Nothing. We should not let it get to a point that we have dug that deep in our lives when we know everybody here should know. Even Sadie. Ella knows she just can't speak it in in our language yet. Who to turn to. It's not that hard. You go, Matt, that's just I've had a lot of stuff. You don't know what I've done. You don't know you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've hurt people physically and with words. I mean, I would I threw a kid downstairs because he wrote on my blue jeans in sixth grade. And then I picked him up and threw him down the next flight of stairs. Completely uncalled for. Do you realize the damage that I could have caused to him? It was an old school. They're not soft stairs. They're tile and concrete and metal railings. What if he had missed and went over the railing and fell down two flights of stairs onto tile and concrete? My anger was out of control. But we don't understand, we only know each other for most of the time, a couple hours a week, even, even if we fellowship, like we go over to Brother Sam's house, we'll say on Friday to eat dinner and we hang out, that's still in the grand scheme of things, it's only a couple hours a week that we know each other, even the worst liars can put on a facade for a couple hours a week. of Christians, you know, come to church and they have this big smile. How was your week? Oh, it was great. Mine wasn't. It's, It's been pretty bad the past three days. But I know why. And joy comes from that. Because I know that every time I stand up here and I give little nuggets and little weapons that you can take out, Satan's not just getting beat up by me or brother He's getting beat up by 30 other people at some point he'll just stop and give us a break and then we'll not know what to do I'm just it might only be for a couple hours but you'll be like man what happened something bad's got to happen that happened to me I was like I'm gonna have a wreck on the way home Satan hadn't worked on me in like the past two hours but we don't realize it he'll attack your children he'll make them sick He'll bring all kinds of things between them and their friends, between you and them, just because he wants to get separation in this army. If just this side got into a fight with this side, there's more numbers here. It would be harder for the six, seven, eight people over here. So if Satan can split a church, literally split a church, over little stuff because we don't want to talk to each other because so-and-so offended us because, oh, well, I cannot believe that Joseph touched the soundboard when I'm the one supposed to be running the soundboard. Well, maybe he heard something I didn't. He's half my age. I have constant ringing in my ears. Erica read something the other day that people with ringing in their ears, there's nothing physical that causes it, they're now saying that people with ringing in their ears operate at a higher frequency, so I'm going to just go with that. (laughs) I'm going to go with that, that every time I hear it, I go, oh, thank God I'm at a higher frequency. People get upset over some of the dumbest stuff inside of a church, stuff that you would let go on a daily basis with your worst enemy But when your brother or sister in Christ say something, slip up and misquote something, I say a word wrong, up. oh, I can't, that was not of God because Matt misquoted that word. I'm still human. God is working through me. Trust me, this is not me that's standing up here. God is working through me, but I still gotta read it with physical eyes and a physical tongue. Stuff happens. We, get, we make mistakes. But if that little thing is what's going to stop you from walking out the door, we need to have a talk. Don't let anything, if I ever say anything that offends you, come and talk to me. If I do anything or say anything, I would much rather me and you have a conversation one-on-one or me, you, and Brother Sam, me, you, and Joseph, I don't care, me, you, and Emma Rose, Somebody, I would much rather you talk to me about it, and let's. Because once again, there's something else there causing it. There's something else there that is causing that strife that is rubbing you wrong. There's a song out right now by. It's called. Their band is Consumed by Fire, and it's called First Things First. It's on K-Love. Some of y'all probably heard it, but first time I heard it, I just didn't really listen to it. I just kind of like let it go a couple times, but I want to read the words with no music so everybody can hear. All the things that I have held dear, the vanities that whispered in my ear, what would I do if they all disappeared? Riches and fame and all that they could buy— I've come to find they never satisfy. What would I gain if my soul's the price? I don't want to love what the world loves. I don't want to chase what the world does. I only want you. First things first, I seek your will. Not my own surrender all my wants to you. This sounds pretty similar. This sounds literally what I've been talking about for two services now. Keep the first thing first, to live your truth, walk your ways, set my eyes, Lord, I fix my face on you. All my desires reversed. To keep the first thing First, I give it all, my life and offering, my heart is yours, so have your way in me, your kingdom's all I want to seek. When you break it down and actually listen to it, you go, that's a pretty scriptural song. because that is what we need to do we need to fix our face fix our eyes on him and always be looking and not look at the storm that's going on around us not look at where satan's trying to get into us not look at the little things that because just little things satan's going to step in and twist it and make it to where all of a sudden you got animosity between you and your brother you and your sister And it, and it takes too long sometimes to figure out what's actually going on. But if we keep our face fixed and we go, you know, I had all these plans. I wrote them down in my dream journal when I was 12 years old. And this is all I wanted in my life. But I'm going to give them to you. I just want what you want for my life. Do you realize how much better you would have it Most people want riches and fame, and they go, oh, well, I could bless the church so much if I'd win the lottery. I could bless the church so much if I had a $500,000 a year salary. You could, if you'd show up. Brother Sam has been self-employed a long time. He's talked about stories where he, uh, he didn't know where The money was going to come from, I don't know what's going to happen. Do you realize how rich we actually are when we actually want for nothing? Think about that. Think about times in your life that you go, I don't know where my next meal's coming from. I don't have gas to get to work, to even get money, to buy food. To support my family I heard a story that this lady was praying that she's like I don't have money I can't do nothing she was an old elderly lady she's like I can't work I have no food I don't know what to do and a little while later you know she prayed and she just gave it to God and she went on about doing her housework whatever she wanted to do in the house water plants whatever watch prices right whatever the case was And she wanted to go outside and sit on the porch and she opens the door and there's two bags of groceries there. And she's like, "Uh, I know where or why it came. I don't know where it came from. And it was something as simple as her neighbor that was not a Christian (laughs) had gone grocery shopping and bought a bunch of stuff and it was something like got home, realized they had all this stuff they're like well the broccoli will go bad the lettuce will wilt i don't need this this will expire before time i'll just give all this to my neighbor everything that she needed was given to her by somebody that didn't even believe in god you cannot tell me that god uses he made everything and he made everything for him by him so he can He can use anybody however he wants. Brother Sam and I were talking about it last night. We don't realize it. And Satan won't tell you because he can't do that. He's on a leash. He only gets to go as far as God lets him go. And as bad as the trials that you think that you've been through, the only reason you got to go through that trial is because God said, Sam has enough faith to handle that. You might fail. Hate to come back around. You gotta keep taking that test until you pass it. But it's not off of art. This is not a physical brain, and oh well, I have all the knowledge I've studied inside and out. I know all the 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 curriculum inside, backwards, forwards, in four different languages. The trial's gonna come back around, and all it takes is for you to fully give it to him and walk out in it. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Can I have a couple extra minutes? I know that nobody will, but if you need to go at 9 o'clock or now, I don't know, you can. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. If I could get to Matthew 6. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not life the life is not the life It's interesting. That's an interesting three letter word in the middle of that. I don't know, it's one of those that I think that I've probably read over a thousand times, not even thought about it, but the life is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, Father feedeth them are ye not much better than they which of you by taking thought can add one more cubit unto his stature what does worrying get you i've always said worrying's like a rocking chair it gives you something to do but it doesn't get you anywhere Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's in parentheses in mine. For the heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There is not much that was left out in that. He said, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live. It don't matter. If you just seek my kingdom first, what is his kingdom? So I found this out. It's right here. This made a lot of sense to me. The meaning of the kingdom of God. We all go, mad, I know what that means. Let me tell you. The expression the kingdom of God, although used in many cases as synonyms with the kingdom of heaven, is to be distinguished from it in some instances. The kingdom of God is at times viewed as everlasting and universal, that is, the rule of the sovereign God over all creatures and things, in the sense the kingdom of God includes the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is also used to designate the sphere of salvation entered only by the new birth in contrast with the kingdom of heaven as the sphere of profession which may be real or false. Since the kingdom of heaven is in the earthly sphere of the universal kingdom of God, the two have many things in common, and in some contexts the terms are interchangeable. Like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is realized in the rule of God in the present age, and will also be fulfilled in the future millennial kingdom. It continues forever in the eternal state. So a lot of us, I know that I kind of thought kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing don't think much of it kingdom of heaven is inside of the kingdom of God kingdom of God encompasses everything kingdom of God encompasses everything so when we go back and we read 33 and that it says seek ye first the kingdom of God think everything that knows the beginning from the end the end from the beginning backwards and forwards and in every language that's ever been doesn't know what you need? Doesn't know how to give you what you need? Doesn't know how to literally just make it pop up right there if you need it? God, we ain't got no money, we have no food. And you open your eyes to a banquet on your table. He has no limits, folks. There is nothing that can stop him. Do not try to put him in a box. Too many people try to do that and they go, well, that's a little. I'll I'll tell him about the little things. Well, he already knows about the big things. The only thing that's making you keep it is you because you won't give it to him because you're too embarrassed to admit that you suffer from that. What things do you think will happen through you when you give him your all? If you literally gave everything 100%, how do you think that he could use you? Because it would also be limitless, literally limitless. Your shadow would heal people. You would move at the speed of thought. Nobody would even think about doing anything bad to you. Not because they're scared of you, but because when they got close to you, they would feel that joy, and they'd go, I want whatever he's got. Did you see him walk past that guy and he grew legs? Man, that was crazy. I heard a testimony, and I'm going to close on this testimony. I heard a testimony of a man that was driving down the highway to Cor- in Corpus Christi, Texas, and saw a guy with a flat tire. He had a spare, but no tools, so the man pulled over to help him change it. While changing the tire, he tried to talk to the stuck guy about Jesus, and the guy just off, so before he left, he wrote the name of a church in town that he enjoyed on his business card and went on his way. About a month later, a guy named Ron that went to the church called him and said, Hey, next time you're in town, I want to buy you a coffee and talk. So he went down there sometime later and they talked. Come to find out, the guy with the flat tire was a drug enforcer. He was the person that made sure drug dealers got paid or bad things happened to the people that didn't pay. When the guy's truck got a flat tire, he was on his way to kill five guys that he, had, that he used to work with. And he was so shocked that the only person that stopped told him about Jesus, that he went to the church, didn't kill the five guys, he went to the church and ended up giving his heart to the Lord and turned away from his violent past. He was radically changed because one person tried to talk about Jesus the man telling the testimony probably thought that nothing would come of it that he had made a mistake Satan probably told him that by him bringing it up that he offended the other guy and now he'll never come to Jesus then a month later or so he got the rest of the story the behind the scene view of what God did and someone that talked to someone that let Jesus change his heart and his desires that's somebody think about that that's somebody that had no problem taking somebody else's life. And because one person stopped to change a tire and tried to talk about Jesus, he radically changed his life and he walked away from that past. He now has enemies that would probably want to kill him. But now he has somebody much larger to protect him. Because if nothing else, think about that testimony. Hey, you know, I should be in prison because I killed all these people. I beat all these people up. I did all these bad things. The people that knew him before would go, how did you go from that to this? And he goes, let me tell you. We go, Matt, I, I didn't do such bad things. But we've talked about it, that the way that we overcome is the word of our testimony, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony we give everything to him, we sacrifice everything. You go, Matt, but I really enjoy these things. Sorry, don't care. I'm gonna be a little harsh for a minute. If you could only realize the change that will happen in your life, the things that you never thought possible, the things that you had given up on, Maybe the people that you had given up on because they had never come back, maybe they walked away. Those people that you have given up on, if you would just give your heart to God, if you would sacrifice your heart fully over to Jesus, they'll come back around too. But we have to be open and honest. And we have to honestly believe that when and and trust that when God points something out to us that we'll give it to him. Even if it's as drastic as our only son, Abraham said okay because I trust you you can't tell me you wasn't scared you can't tell me you didn't have second thoughts and you sure can't tell me Satan didn't walk in on that and tried to get all over it but you need to understand that if God truly tells you to give it to him you're gonna get It back better or something better? If you have a lost child, if you have a lost co-worker, if you have a lost friend, cousin, homeless person you pass on the street every day on your way to work, I don't know. Stand in that gap for them. Be this guy that tried to bring up Jesus to an actual murderer. Murderer. He wasn't just going to beat somebody up. He told Ron at the church, I was going to kill five people. Which tells me he's good at his job. You don't go one on five and not know that you're going to win. And all it took was somebody changing his tire. First thing I thought of was the the good Samaritan, how everybody walked by, the priests, his own people and somebody that they look down on as dogs, stop to just help him. Are you willing to give up whatever God tells you to give up tonight? Are you willing to honestly seek his face and not look away? Are you honestly willing to, when you wake up first thing in the morning, that all that is on your mind is, what does God want me to do today? My friend Dave told me something. I was telling you what he told me earlier, but he said every day he comes to work, he sits in the parking lot, and he prays. When he first started, he said, five minutes, and then i got to go into work. I don't want to be late. He said, now I'll pray until I'm done. He said, I don't care what happens. And he hadn't been late for work. Whether he gets there earlier I don't know. If God wants to have a relationship with you, he's proved it multiple times. He can stop time and not affect anybody else around you. Are you willing to say, God, I'm going to sit here and talk to you until you're done talking to me? And whatever you point out in my life that I need to give to you, I'm honestly going to give to you. And if that means that I did something that offended Sam and I need to go talk to him about it, no matter how embarrassing it is, and I go talk to him about it, I know that nothing but good will come from it. Because if God tells me to go do something embarrassing and talk to somebody, then it's going to be even better when we walk back out. So I ask you tonight. I challenge you to wholeheartedly in your prayer time, on your drive home, whatever it is, wholeheartedly ask him, what is it that I need to give up? Because I promise you, that it's going to be a lot less embarrassing if it's between you and him than if it's between a minister standing here, whether it's me, Sam, Brother Joe when he comes in March, Brother Ron whenever he comes. I'm still I'm claiming it. <laughs> you don't want anything standing in the way because God will point it out. If he tells you, hey, Sister Michelle, you're struggling with this, give it to me. And you go, well, I just, oh, well, give it to me at some point, And I'm not trying to scare you. But at some point, God will use somebody that is standing here to say, I told you once to give it up. Now I'm telling you in front of your church to come it at the altar. It will be a lot less painful if you do it the first time around it'll be a lot less painful if you let him search through your heart and find that thing from 20 30 years ago that you did that you didn't even remember that you did and you go oh and when you give that up so many things your eyes open up you can hear whatever it is you're like Man, I can see colors differently. It opens you up into that other dimension that you can slip through a lot quicker. Because that thing is your four-inch thick veil. Give it up. We have to open our heart up and let him do the surgery. As bad as it will hurt, as bad as you think that you don't want it, I promise you, it'll be a lot better on the other side. Singers and musicians can come back. Aaron, you can come on back. You told me to call you up. I'm a closing prayer, and I want everybody to pray with me. And by that, I honestly mean I want you to pray your prayer out loud as I pray as loud as I am. Bow your heads and bow your hearts and pray with me. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in this assembly. I thank you for all these people that are here. I thank you for everything that you have done for us, in us, and through us. I ask you, Lord, that you come into each and every one of our hearts right here tonight and you search us and you watch us wash us clean you find that thing that is standing in between us you point it out and you you tell us what it is so that we can come up here to this altar and give it to you tonight on february fifteenth, 2023 in bentley kansas we cannot deny your power your love for us any longer we cannot deny that you want this relationship with us just look at what you have done in in just this assembly by giving us this building and that building and this property more people coming more people listening more people watching online we cannot deny that you are moving through such a small assembly anymore and i pray lord that you just Go deeply into our hearts and find those things. Bring it back to the front of our mind that is standing in between us that is stopping us from having a closer relationship with you that is turning our eyes off of you and onto the storm. And I ask, Lord, that you point it out to us. Show us what it is that we can bring it to you right here tonight and it be gone forever and we can have victory over that thing that is stopping us. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you're gonna do. I cannot express that enough. I feel you moving through this place right here tonight. I feel you moving through here, and I know that you are working on people and bringing things up that they never even thought about, things that they didn't think that were in a way, things that they didn't think that were bringing them, the physical pain and the physical heartache and the physical problems in their body and in their minds and the things that are causing them to just not be able to even have a physical relationship with you. I feel you moving here tonight and I thank you Lord for doing that and I ask that everyone here will submit themselves to you and sacrifice themselves to you and lay their heart as a living sacrifice at your altar at your feet so that you can take away those things that are contrary to us and nail it to your cross that we will not be bound by it any longer satan i take authority over you tonight You cannot stand in our presence. You have no authority here. You are defeated. You are beat up. Your neck is stretched out. We're all standing on it right now. No matter what you throw at us, throughout the rest of this week, we know where to turn. We have the weapons in our arsenal. And we have made a show of you openly everybody will see it you can come attack us and people will see it and as long as we turn to jesus christ you have no power and authority in our lives you cannot put sickness on us you cannot put depression on us you cannot put that anxiety and that fear on us because perfect love casts out fear and you cannot stand in the presence of perfect love that is jesus christ Father, just move, move mightily on our hearts here tonight. Just take over us. Whatever it is that is plaguing some of those that are here, let them come. They do not have to talk to me or Brother Sam. They can just kneel right here at your altar and give it to you directly. I pray that they come up and they give it to you that it will not stand in their way. And I thank you for the work that you're doing right here tonight and in jesus's mighty powerful and loving name i pray amen
0: we need services like that have you enjoyed that say I can say that tonight that we needed that. We needed that with all our hearts. We need a service that, that just opens our hearts to we need, we need a service that we need to tell them everything. We need to tell each other everything. We don't hide anything from anybody. Oh Amen. Let's sing this song. So here I stand today So I'm giving my life away. Oh, laying it down at your altar. So I'm giving my life away. The very least I can offer is my all. Life away, one more time. Oh, now I'm giving my life away. Oh, and laying it down at your altar. Now I'm giving my life away. Oh, the very least what i can offer is my all altar, oh, which was made just for me, oh, I will never doubt. Oh, to be lost in his presence, found in his likeness, to hear him say, well done, someday. Just lift a hand to your King. Oh, and I just want to please you, Lord. In his likeness, do you hear him say, Well done someday? Oh, I want to please. Oh, I just want to please. You want more of him. What a presence in the room.